Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald alongside Kev Nalen and Deepak Gohill. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, everyone. Week 11 is in the books, and it's about this time of the season where the players start to think about the playoffs, specifically which island they're going to be on while other teams play for the chance to get to the Super Bowl. Because although it's still mathematically possible, can you believe that? We know there's zero chance the 49ers getting there. Another couple of milestones reached this week as the 49ers equaled their longest ever run of losing games with the defeat to the New England Patriots. And Phil Dawson, Mr. Reliable, hit his 400th field goal in his NFL career. Let's see if we can sort out this mess that is our 10th game of the NFL season. Where do you want to start, gents? Should we start on a positive? Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde had a decent game yesterday. Um... Positive. Phil Dawson's 400th career kick. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Is that where you're struggling now? That's it, yeah. Let's, let's look at Carlos. Oh, go on. We, Sorry, won the, we won the time of possession battle. <laughs> for a change. Hang on, this is getting yeah, we better, better and better now. <laughs> but but we, yeah, we, Hyde, not bad, right? I mean... 19 for 86 yards, longest four and a half. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty decent return, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Given given the performance that he had against the Arizona Cardinals the week before where he was basically anonymous, it was good to see him at what looks like full speed. Um, he was making the runs. He, he was he was getting through the, uh, the defensive line for the Patriots on occasion. Um. <laughs> Other positives, yes. We we can't not say anything about Phil Dawson. I think it was 457, 457 or 470-something attempts. 472 attempts, and he kicked his 400th field goal. That's a hell of a record. That That's better than eight, That's better than 80% completion rate. 84.7, actually. Uh, highest among the 10 who have reached that milestone. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing we never really talk about is kickers and the psyche of kicking. I'd be interested to know how many of those kicks were sort of 50-plus outside of the normal <clears throat> fail-to-convert-in-the-red-zone sort of yardage where a, a kicker makes his bread and butter. But the ones that are 50-plus 50, 50 yards where a kicker's not really expected to make them, you know, it'd be good to see what, you know, when, when we look at kickers' percentages, that how many of them, A, have kicked in that kind of range and B, how many have converted from that kind of range, you know, because if you look more and more attempts, you'll see people are having to go from 55, 60 odd yards now. They never used it before. Final score for the game was New England Patriots 30, San Francisco 49ers 17. But for a large portion of that game, the 49ers were just three points away from levelling it. The performance during that period, the first half, the first quarter and the second quarter, the 49ers sort of held their heads up high, didn't they? They were able to more or less go toe-to-toe with the New England Patriots. Do you think that the weather at Levi was a bit of a leveller in that game? Um, to, to be perfectly honest, I think they did the best that they could with what they had. you know. And, they, mm. uh, and I think, yeah, we stayed sort of competitive, but you always got the feeling that the Patriots were... Well, like that lioness that you see on the National Geo Channel that's just playing with her food before she eventually <laughs> finishes it off, you know. Um, so I, th- I think, yeah, we did 
we did really well to stay within that game. And you could see, even though we were knocking, we were never, ever going to get back in. And, you know, when it mattered, New England really put the tightness on and there was really no coming back. The weather, yeah, it rained a lot, but um, I think that probably suited the Patriots more than it suited us because, you know, it hardly ever rains in Santa Clara. And when it does rain, it pours. Well, yeah, indeed. <laughs> and it has it, been for a few years, yes. Yeah, and it really did, Paul. Uh, time of possession, uh, Kev, as you said, we actually won the time of possession for possibly the second time this season. 49ers had the ball for 30 minutes and 48 seconds. New England, 29 minutes and 12 seconds. Gave the defence a, ch- a chance to rest, which I think helped as well with the first half in keeping the 49ers in the game and keeping the score quite close. Once the rain really did start to take effect, Kaepernick himself, his throws were coming out at some really odd angles at times, weren't they? Um, We saw saw one of the snaps, or a couple of the snaps, went completely awry. Um, I say that the throws were coming out sideways and every which way but the right way. Third down, third down efficiency was five of fourteen. Not something that we can sort of shout about. One of the things that we do need to talk about is the penalties. We had again, it it, it wasn't a lot of penalties, but we were just talking before the show, weren't we? They're at the worst possible time, and then we compound penalties with more penalties. Well, yeah. I- do you know what? I've always banged my head against the brick wall when I see penalties given. Sometimes, you know, especially the holding ones, you just got to think, damn, you know, either call holding all the time or don't call it at all because I'm getting a bit bulky off with refs who just call for holding. Yeah. Mm. And I put it, put on the game day thread. It happens on every single play, in every single down, in every single game. So why don't the refs throw a flag for every single play for holding? You know, uh, that rant aside, yeah, we do not do ourselves any favours at all when it comes to the timing of our penalties. You know, it's, it's there's just so many things going wrong all at the same time. It's just getting crazy. Yeah. We managed to lose 20 yards in two penalties on one play. Was it five yards defensive holding I think on on one play and then immediately the sideline gives up another 15 yards um, for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for being warned for the second time about being in the, in the wrong area of the sideline this is you know this this is high school stuff that's just lack of discipline nothing else yeah you know, when, when you've been told not to do something and you persist in doing it yeah. That's all on you. You can't blame anybody and, else for that. And when it's the coaches that are doing it, you know, these these guys are supposed to be leading by example. So, you know, it's 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 another failing of the 49ers this season. Um Kaepernick was sacked five times on the night. The Niners fumbled five times as well, but every single one of them re- was recovered. Surprising with the weather the way it was, that there wasn't a single turnover in the game. Much, much as we tried, um, what can we take from the game as a positive? You know, we're having to we're having to look for positives in in these games. What can we take from this game as a positive? I think if you're looking for positives, you know, and I sincerely mean this, I think we're doing the very best with 
with what we've got, which is mm. not very good. So, you know, we are utilizing what we've got to the best of our ability. Um, I think the players themselves are, are looking to to do more. You know, they're looking. They actually look as if they care. You know, I, I could well be wrong. Um, there are certain times when they look as if they just do not care less. But I just get a sense that they're staying in the close games, but they've now got to go to the next step and close some of these games off because we're staring one and nine right in the face. We are, are we mm. one and nine or one and eight? I can't even. We're one and nine one now. Nine. One and nine. Yeah. Okay, so one and ten. It doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Really? And the next game's what away to Miami. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of injuries that we had on the night. Uh, Jimmy Ward is in concussion protocol um, after taking a hit. I don't actually, I don't actually know what caused the hit, whether it was the ground or a hit to the head. Um, but he's in concussion protocol anyway. Uh, we've just had a look while we're recording, see if there's any updates on Eric Reed. Um, he's got a possible torn bicep. Some of the reports are saying one bicep. Some of the reports are saying two. We don't know for sure yet he has had an mri this morning um but we're waiting to have word on uh, official word on what it is chances are though that's eric reed done for the season isn't it definitely if that's the confirmed injury yeah uh, i don't think there's any way back from that and even if there was why would you why would you even consider rushing him back after something like that. Well, I, I, I know the injury's nowhere near as serious, but look what happened when we brought back Carlos Hyde again too early. He was completely ineffective for that game. Um, somebody else who was completely ineffective was Tory Smith, who just wasn't on the roster at all for yesterday. Um, which um, That was his best performance of the season. <laughs> best performance, love it. Um, we have got comments from you all from our facebook page we're going to be going through them shortly um one thing that i did um you'll remember last week i asked a, a question as to what should we do once this game was played um because blaine gabbert would have had five games and colin kaepernick would have had five games and i think the majority of us agreed at the time give kaepernick five games and see what happens as it is, Gabbert had a record of 1-4. Kaepernick's record is worse. He's gone 0-5. He's gone winless in those five games. So the question was, who should be the quarterback for the next game? I didn't Me. know whether we were... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll do, Kev, actually. Um, it would. I thought it would be interesting to see if attitudes changed um, from when we asked it before the Patriots game to after it. As it is... Everyone's sort of saying exactly as they did last week. Um, the majority are saying leave Kaepernick in. The season is already over. Uh, 29 so far have voted for that one. Um, 16 have said bench Kaepernick, give Ponder a chance, which I can completely understand. We gave Kaepernick five games. May as well give Ponder. But the thing is, Ponder's not been active at all, has he, this season? No, he hasn't. He's, it, Interesting, Paul. Do you know what? Sorry, what I would say is this. What if Kaepernick had started off the season as a one and four QB, and then Gabbert had gone in as a zero and five? Would people yeah. still want Gabbert to stay in? Um, Do you know what? That is a damn good question, actually. 
I, I've got to be honest, I don't think I would want Gabba to stay in if he'd gone 0-5. You know, so that's... And again, I think, personally, I would say stay with Kaepernick. Um, and mm. my, my reasons for staying with Kaepernick is put him in the shop window. If he wants a trade, if he wants to leave Santa Clara, then we need to get as much as we possibly can for him. So we need to put him in the shop window and expose him to as much you know, media, TV, people seeing that he's out there, he's a starting QB as possible, so we can get a return from him. You know. Yeah. Um, will he be our franchise quarterback moving forward? Uh, uh, yeah, that that is absolutely impossible to tell because we don't have any sort of... I mean, yes, we do have a general manager, but as far as I'm concerned, we do not. Yeah. You know, we don't have any sort of guidance from front office on how to rebuild, so therefore... You know, Trent Balky is not sorry to be so American about this. Not my general manager. <laughs> I love it. You, you got that placard built already, haven't you? Yeah, but he's not. You yeah. know, there's clearly yeah. no strate- strategy. There's no. This is where where we're at. This is where we want to be, and this is how we're going to do it. There's absolutely nothing, no evidence at all, to say that he has any interest in steering the club into that direction. There's not yeah. been an announcement by Jed York. Balky said nothing. Um, no one's saying anything at all. So I think if no one's saying anything, then we're well within our rights to make our own assumptions about what's going on. Um, elsewhere on that poll, uh, three people again said, concede every game from here on in, go to the Winchester, have a nice pint, and wait for all of this to blow over. I am proud of you. Uh, Andrew Ifold. who else picked that one? Ian Faultless and Bjorn I still can't say your surname. I'm really sorry about that. But yeah, the three of you have said um, they've gone for the Sean of the Dead option. And absolutely proud that nobody has said bring Blaine Gabbert back in. So, uh, but yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to compare that poll after the Patriots game to before the Patriots game. And everyone's kind of gone with the same sort of response. Should we take a look at some of the comments that have come in? Yeah, but let's not forget one thing, though. Gabbert won, what, 25% more of his games, didn't he? You really are looking for the silver lining, aren't you, Deepak? He actually won a game for us. Um, so, and Kaepernick hasn't. And you can you can make those stats look whichever way you want to, you know. You can, and, but I would, also, I would also say that for every game that Kaepernick lost, the opposition did actually turn up. Yeah, true. But <laughs> we look at stats in black and white, don't we? I mean, and you yeah, can make them look whichever way. And I, and I think the consensus that says Kaepernick should remain, uh, I would probably agree with, well, I do agree with him. I think that's about yeah. right. He should stay, yeah. you know. Right, let's have a look at some of these comments then. Uh, Andrew Eifold, how embarrassing was it to hear fans chanting the opposition QB's name in our stadium? I know that they were Patriots fans, but that just highlights how many faithful want to watch the home team or don't want to watch the home team. Um, it's a good point, isn't it? it? It was very loud, the the um, the Brady chanting. And we, we know that he's got family, or he, he's, he's got a following in the Bay Area anyway, hasn't he? But it's still not something that you want to have in your own stadium. No, but Niner fans are notorious for selling their tickets to away fans. Absolutely notorious for doing that. They've been doing it since the year dot. Even when we played a candlestick, they'd be the first to offer their tickets to away fans. I thought, sorry, I think also on that, it was doubly a shame 
because the number of 49ers fans in the stadium for Eddie DeBartola having his induction to the Hall of Fame um, ceremony. And he had that at half-time. Yes, mm. it was torrential rain, but the pitiful amount of 49ers fans actually watching that live didn't really give a very good impression. It didn't. Um, and the stadium was noticeably empty, certainly around the 50-yard line as well, um, which I found quite strange. There were more people in the corners, it seemed to be, than at the 50-yard line. Um, I noticed at one point the sideline reporter, it was after the game had restarted, uh, the sideline reporter was talking and the cameraman tried to change his angle to kind of hide the fact that the stadium was virtually empty and unfortunately wherever he turned the camera to, there were just just a sea of empty seats. Um, So he failed on that one. Um, James Little... Uh, comments, uh, I don't think we disgraced ourselves at all. We just came up short like we've done all season. It's been said before by everyone, we need a new everything. With the renewed effort um, being shown by the players, do you think the offensive scheme is starting to show that it really isn't helping a struggling offense? Certainly for me, in the last couple of weeks, have started, they've started to really struggle to understand the plays called. I know Kaepernick's lack of accuracy and tendency to run has something to do with it, but we should be doing all we can to help struggling players. Is it a case that the Chip Kelly offence simply doesn't work with the players we've got? I don't think any offence would work with the players we've got. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I, Chip Kelly's offense is quite complicated, Paul, and I think we've we've talked about this before. And it requires a cerebral type of football player to understand it. Now, I think looking at our team, we have got those that sort of get it. And we've also got a quarterback who's spoken quite publicly about how he doesn't like looking at film and doesn't make an investment in the technical X's and O's of the game. So Mm. you put all those things together and this is what you're going to get. But I think... You know, Kelly's offense is very sophisticated. You need cerebral footballers. What if we actually have got intelligent cerebral footballers but are just physically not capable of executing or they're just not good enough, you know? And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. We've probably got players who think, how the hell do you run that? And we've got players like, okay, I'm doing exactly as coach said, but nothing's working out, you know? So I think it might be a bit of both. Um, Ross Irwin, they at least they were at least showing a little bit more fight in the whole game these past couple of weeks. Tiny crumbs for comfort. Um, if I was Chip, I would play my best available person at each position from here on in, and be planning on who to replace in priority order. I don't think Chip Kelly's going to have much input on who to replace if Trent Balky has his way. Uh, Andrew Mitchell wants us to go slightly off topic. Um, can we discuss how rubbish kickers are? 33 yards is still a chip shot. I'm guessing this is referring to the uh, the Patriots kicker who managed to miss a point after attempt. It's not only that. It's not only that. Along, yeah. along with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, a lot of kickers missed an extra point. Exactly. It was it, it, it was quite a stat, wasn't it? It was something like 12 in the end. Yeah. And it's, it's a record for missed point afters. In a week, yes. Yeah. I don't, um, don't think Las Vegas has got anything to do with that, do you? <laughs> what are you suggesting, Deepak? Uh, I know I know that um, 
one of the uh, one of the guys in the studio brought this up and said, I think it was last season there were eight total missed point afters all season, and yesterday there were twelve in one day. For unreal. So it is. Um, Richard Bailey, what was the bench unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for? We discussed that one. Um, basically, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Jason Argo, is there any point in drafting a QB if he doesn't have anybody good to learn from? It's a great point, actually. Do we need to have somebody there to mentor a QB coming in? Or are there QBs out there in the college system right now who could come into the NFL as NFL ready? Thinking the likes of Dak Prescott? Yeah, and learn the seed. That's a, that's a really complex question to answer. It's a good one. I think, personally, A, we need to establish who our QB is going to be. Is it going to be one of the three that we've already got? B, if it's a kid who's coming in from college, how long will it take that kid to learn a Chip Kelly system? And C, is Chip Kelly going to be the coach next season or the season after? You know, And I would hazard a guess that the answer to that is probably no. Mm. So it's a lot of variables, really. But I think if we've got... A, a college kid coming in then we would sort of need to have some kind of a mentor somebody to, to coach him through college and the NFL are completely different just ask Johnny Manziel that you know they're totally different and, and I think you would need somebody usually it's the veteran QB of the time that, that, that is the yeah. mentoring but would you want to be mentored by Kaepernick or Gabbert really no that's, that's <laughs> the thing isn't it no I, you couldn't you couldn't be mentored by one of those two. You do have occasions, you you do have instances where the rookie QB has come in and taken over the team straight away, whether through injury with Dak Prescott, with Tony Romo going down, or I'm, I'm trying to think of who else has come in as a rookie QB and taken straight over and been successful. Um to an extent, Wentz at uh, the Eagles. Yeah. That's a good shout, actually, yeah, um, for this season. Um, I mean, Marcus Mariota, well, not so much. Mariota and Winston, they had okay seasons last year. Yeah. But that's because that those teams didn't have anything else to throw at it, literally. Um, yeah. And they've come on this season. But then if you look at... Jacksonville and Bortles, yeah, getting worse. Yeah, and they didn't have anybody to like lead him through that situation. I mean, Gabbert was there before he went there, and he's like, "Well, the, yeah, we don't, we don't want Gabbert to show Bortles how to play." Yeah, Bortles has got his own problems without having Gabbert helping him. Did RG three go straight in as quarterback at Washington? He did, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. When Washington basically sold the world to get him. And Shanahan just did his best to destroy his career to win a playoff game. They had no chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was Shanahan, all right. Maybe there aren't that, that many occasions then where a rookie quarterback has come in and been effective. <laughs> uh, one thing we do need to talk about then is the um, the record that was equaled, the, the horrible record that was equaled um, of nine straight losses in one season. Can you guys remember the last year that that happened with the 49ers? I'm going to say, um, I think it might be 1978. 
It was. Um, Mark Lyon has been researching it for us. Thanks very much for that, Mark. Um, it was 1978, nine straight losses. However, Chip Kelly is the only 49ers head coach to have nine straight losses. And we, we looked into this as to why. And it turns out that Pete McCulley was replaced nine games into the 1978 season. So he lost the opening four. So although the 49ers lost nine, he only lost four of them. And then the offensive coordinator, Fred O'Connor, replaced him as interim head coach for the last seven games. And he lost the following five. Um, Straight after that, Bill Walsh was head coach for the 1979 season, drafted Joe Montana, and we all know how badly that turned out. Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, if we're talking about that, what about the season Harbaugh took over from Singletary? You know, we'd gone from stink to almost the NFC, almost the Super Bowl in, in one yeah. season. So it shows that, you know, sometimes a coach is the missing ingredient that can kickstart the players that you've already got, you know? Yeah. Well, Mark, Mark Lyons really sort of hanging everything on this one. He's, he's actually put, Bill Walsh was the head coach from the Stars of the 79 season. Montana was drafted at the Stars of the 79 season. So if history repeats itself, we'll draft a superstar QB in the offseason and become a dynasty again. Yeah, I like, long- his, th- I like his thinking. There's, there's no logic there at all, but I like his thinking. I know, but for that to happen, we need a new coach as well, right? Yes. Be- because Walsh came in and sent general manager. Yeah, well, we need a new owner. Um, yeah. I think we're all screaming for a new general manager. I think we need well, to let's... be screaming for one pay grade above that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the head coach then. Let's talk about Chip Kelly. He's come into the 49ers as somebody that had a mediocre career, let's say, in Philly. Had a, an outstanding career at Oregon as a college head coach. Came into the NFL and didn't really do it at Philly like he wanted to. He was brought into the 49ers and it simply hasn't worked. Now, the 49ers are on the hook, aren't they, for another two years as of his contract. Can they really, in all seriousness, bring him back next season? Or is it time to just say, enough is enough with the Chip Kelly experiment, like it was with the Jim Tom Sula experiment, and look elsewhere, look for some more inspiration from anywhere else? The irony being that we actually won a lot more games under Jim Tom Sula than we have under Kelly. Uh, well, yeah, I mean... Um, I, you know what? Right from the get-go, Chip Kelly was um, was not approached by any other team to be their coach. We're the only yeah. ones that approached him, and he left Philadelphia under very tumultuous circumstances. And had we not gone in for him, he would effectively be... Coachless, he he wouldn't be coaching in the in the NFL. You know, he well he may be, but nobody else wanted him to be their head coach except us. So why would we pick somebody like him? You know, and I remember when we unveiled him, Jed York was talking about this guy as being the second coming, and I thought, well, if he was that good, eh, he wouldn't have got fired from Philadelphia, and he did have a very controversial stay there. You know, not just because of football, but of other things, and B in what way is he going to be better than what we had before you know and so far I think Kelly has hidden very very well behind the fact that we just do not have enough talent amongst the players but I I think 
if Kelly thinks he's got a job for life here, he's got another thing coming. I think sooner or later, the fingers are going to be pointed in his direction. There has to come a time when, you know, if you look at it in black and white, a team is one and nine. Who are you going to think of, of saying has got to be responsible for that? It's, it's going to be the head coach. You know, whether you like it or not, it's always the head coach that has to take the fall for that. And Kelly has escaped any sort of blame for this season of any type up to now, which is staggering. Everyone's so focused on Balky, 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 Jed York, Balky, Jed York. He's, he's almost gone completely under the radar as somebody who ha has contributed to this terrible, terrible season. And, and that sounds like I'm pointing a finger at him, but in actual fact... You know, what else could he do to help to, to make us be better? You know, what could Chip Kelly do to make us be better? Could he do something more than he currently is? I think if there was something he could do, he'd be doing it, you know, um, because Chip Kelly wants to have a future in this league. But I honestly, truly, with my hand on my heart, even if he is doing his very, very best, which I'm sure he is, he will probably never coach in the NFL again once he leaves us, unless he takes us to a dynasty. Um, but I see his days in the league in professional football is pretty much over now after he finishes. Well, he's acknowledged himself that he's not guaranteed to be the head coach next season. There has been the usual rumour mill that he's going to go back to Oregon. It, you know, there's, there's every possibility, isn't there? That's going to that's gonna leave us with, what, the third head coaching change in three years? Well, there might be a general manager change before that, and the general manager might be the one that fires Chip Kelly and says, you know what, I don't really want you to be our general manager. Here's some money. Thank you very much. We're going to look for another one. And that may or may not be the year before we actually rebuild, you know, because you can't just rebuild in the National Football League. You've got to have a plan, and you've yeah. got to lay down a plan. That takes a season. And then the actual execution of it, you know. Um, so we're... We're, we're, we're years away from being competitive again. And I hate sounding so yeah. negative, but I just can't see how we can progress as a franchise when the front office is so, so hapless, you know. And it made me angry that we're in this situation because of a power struggle, you know, because of, of, of Harbour versus Balky, because of personal things. You know, where winning wasn't important, it was a personal difference that took us to being nine and one in two thousand and eleven to one and nine five years later. That yeah. was that, it was like, you know, football had absolutely nothing to do with it. Winning had nothing to do with it. It was all about one upmanship and it's put us in a situation where we're now the laughing stock of the NFL. You know, we used to be the proudest franchise and now people just laugh at us. I'm sorry, but I'm getting really, really upset about this and it hurts me deeply to see what's happened to this team. It's it's a fair point, Deepak, and, and as much as we sort of try and laugh and joke it away, it is uh you know, it is a franchise, it is a team that we are all invested in emotionally, if not financially. You know, it it takes a lot of effort for a British fan of an American football team to follow them the entire season. Never mind to follow them the entire season when they can't seem to win a single game, when they can't score a touchdown in the third quarter for some unknown reason, which again we didn't do yesterday. Um, so I think, well, you know. The, how we've arrived to this, it's a bit like America and its elections. How we've arrived to this that didn't just happen overnight. It's been leading up to this for a period of several years. Yeah. You know, 
And what hurt me more than anything was that all of this has happened purely for non-football reasons. This was purely for ego <clears throat> and personal pride that mm. how well this franchise performs on the field was something that could be compromised in order for, for people in suits to score a point over each other. To me, that's the whole yeah. tragedy of it all. You know, that yeah. really is. And the upshot of it is this. And the long game is how do you unravel this, fix it, and then move forward? I know that um, Eddie DeBartolo Jr. has been quoted as saying, Jed York knows what to do to turn this team around. What he doesn't say is, will he do what's needed to turn this team around? And, you know, we just have no... That's his nephew. He's been honoured in his nephew's stadium. He's got his mouth to kiss his... Balky. You know, I'm sorry, but it's true. You know, he's not going to say... This team would be great if I was in charge and this little schmuck was nowhere to be seen. No, he's he's got the hospitality of his nephew, so he has to say the right things. Deep down, I, I really don't know what Eddie D would be thinking, but I do know that <laughs> there's a huge, huge neglection of duties by Jed York. As much there is as Trent Balky, as much there is of Chip Kelly and his uh, his offensive and defensive coaches and the players on the field, that they're all components that are all adding up to this, you know. And it's the bottom line is it's the players. They try hard. They do the best with what they've got, and they come up short. And I think this is why it's really, really important for us to, to sort of stay with the players because screw the front office, screw the head coach, screw all of them. You know, it's the players on the field that need our support, you know. And I'm, I'm not going to go with this ride-and-die crap, but... The players on the field are the ones that are ultimately tasked with delivering the end product. And and that's what we've got to cheer for right now. Uh, last point I want to bring up um, about the game before we wrap up today's show. Jeremy Curley. What the hell happened to him yesterday? He was almost non-existent. I didn't see too much of the game, but if I'm to be honest, I saw a lack of second effort from him. Or a first effort. I didn't think he hustled as much as he has done in the past. I don't know. Maybe mm. I'm wrong. There are a couple of times where he could have made a little bit more of a hustle to get himself into a better position to catch a ball, maybe. But I don't know. And maybe he's entitled to have a bad day here and there, too. You know, everybody else is having one. Yeah, <laughs> this is very true, actually. He has been um, uh, a very good player so far on the 49ers' offense. Um, not quite MVP of the season material, but he's um, he he's shown us what he can do. Certainly, yeah. I mean, yes, it would be nice to get more productivity from him. I mean, but like I say, you know, maybe he's entitled to have a bad year. It surprised me because you know we've got the running game, the run attack going a little bit. It usually softens up the defense for for a passing game, but you know. The big story was that Torrey Smith wasn't going to be playing. I thought he's mm. a complete non-factor in this game anyway, so it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, we just don't have <laughs> the receivers for Kaepernick to throw to now. Before you get carried away, I don't think Kaepernick is accurate enough to throw to even a good receiver. So it's neither here nor there that he's got crap receivers because whether he had good ones or not, he probably wouldn't get the ball to them anyway. You know, yeah. so we haven't got good receivers that he can get the ball to. We haven't got a decent enough quarterback that can get the ball to receivers. So it doesn't matter how good your running game is. 
if you can't throw the ball. Um, one thing I want to um, mention before I wrap the show up, my highlight of yesterday's viewing, Red Zone, NFL Red Zone, I think it was the Jacksonville Jaguars were thrown for a false start penalty. The wording from the referee was, false start, everybody on the offense bar the center. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely made me laugh. The entire team jumping off, uh, jumping false stars, except for the centre. That well, tells then, me that the centre <laughs> forgot the snap count. Well, maybe they were meerkatting or caught doing it. <laughs> Did am I right in thinking the Patriots started that as well yesterday? There was one play where the Patriots meerkatted. <laughs> Whether that was mocking us or what, I don't know. But it's still it's hilarious and stupid and depressing and yeah all at once really <laughs> that is it for this episode of the show thanks to audionautics.com for the music thanks to rob newell james little mark Lyon, kev Neil, andrew mitchell cat victorino gavin sutton graham ross for all the work they do on the group and on the show you can follow us on twitter and instagram at frequency 49 and on facebook search the frequency 49 show we'll be back later this week with our preview of the miami dolphins game but for now, it is time to say goodbye, boys. Bye, everyone. On behalf of Deepak Gohill and Kev Nail, and I've been Paul MacDonald. You've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 Show. Bye for now. <laughs>